Welcome to the 136th episode of the Young Turks Podcast from the Viner 48 Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we're talking all about the weekend in Maryland sports. We had the Terps lost to Ohio State, Maryland's win over Rhode Island, and Maryland women's basketball lost to South Carolina. But before we get into all that, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Allied Party Rental. Allied has everything you need. Whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival, Allied has the tents, chairs, lanes, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today. Allied at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. I want to start things off with today's non-rev report. Um, the number 23-ranked men's soccer team won their first Big Ten tournament matchup on the road at Northwestern 1-0, meaning they are returning home for what could be their next two games. Um, the Terps will return to Ludwig to face the number one seed in the Big Ten, number nine in the country, Indiana, in the semifinals of the tournament. That game will be on Friday at 7 p.m. No TV info has been released yet. Um, likely will air on BTN or BTN to go but we will see um, what's up with that. So, I mean, I guess the Terps accomplished at least one of their goals. They made it back to Ludwig for one more game this season. Yeah, they did. Uh, this was a big win. Maryland really needed it. They were sliding quickly after the losses to Penn State and Michigan. So a good win to kind of solidify themselves going into uh, NCAA tournament play and getting back home to uh, have a chance at the Big Ten Championship in playing Indiana and then the winner of, I believe, what is Michigan and Penn State. Uh, field hockey was stunned in their first conference tournament matchup. They lost to, um, uh, sorry, they lost one nothing to Penn State on the road. I only say on the road because the game was at University Park. Um, so, very surprising loss. Also knocked them out of the top four NCAA tournament seeds. So um, they look ahead to the tournament where they will play St. Joseph's. Uh, St. Joseph's with um, 17 and three on the season, including eight zero in the A10. They lead the nation in goals per game with around four. Um, not what you wanted to start the postseason with if you're the Lady Terps here. No, definitely not, but you know they'll have it back on track going into NCAA tournament play. Volleyball got blanked by both number six Minnesota and number four Wisconsin. They have now gone five straight matches without winning a set. They next travel to Indiana for a pair of matches with the Indiana schools being Indiana-Purdue Friday and Saturday. Uh, that's five straight matches, meaning they've lost 15 sets in a row now. So... Hopefully they get back on track um, over this next weekend. Yeah, volleyball is a real concerning slide there. Hopefully they can uh, turn it around soon because the season's running out of time. Yes, it is. Wrestling had a strong showing in the American University round robin. Maryland had three first-place finishes and five second-place finishes against the hosts American and visiting VMI. The Terps next travel to West Point to complete to compete in the Black Knight Invitational. There should be some tough teams up there. Yep, um, but a good showing for wrestling. Uh, they also got a shout-out from NCAA Wrestling's Twitter account. Further strong showing, a bit of a surprise, the VMI being a tough competitor. Um, and last, but certainly not least this week, women's basketball suffered a tough loss against number 8 South Carolina, 63-54 in front of a crowd of 7,447. Uh, frankly, what killed them is Maryland just got annihilated on the glass. Lost the rebound battle by 16 boards, 54-38. to and um, had a really poor shooting day as well, with going 22 for 70 from the field. You just can't win against a number another top 10 teams when you lose the rebounding battle like that. 
yeah, um, there are also some some tough calls against the Terps in this game. I actually think the biggest uh, thing of note in in that last blurb that you read, Jordan, was the crowd only being seven thousand for this game. I mean, you're playing the number eight team in the country. You're number four coming in uh, on a Sunday with where a lot of people in the DMV have the next day off, being today Veterans Day. As always, we'd like to thank all the veterans for their service today on Veterans Day. But a rough crowd there for. For the Terps, only getting 7,000 in the building. Overall, though, a tough game, but it gives you a kind of a snippet of where you sit right now and what you can improve on playing against such a strong opponent. Yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed in the crowd myself. I'm expecting a little bit more. But, I mean, we I feel like we did our part. I don't know what else we can do. Um, Ashley Owasu definitely was part of the game for the Terps. 37 minutes, 7 for 14 from the field with 17 points in a otherwise bleak shooting day. It's not what you need from your team. Um, also, a uh, little note on women's basketball. I don't know if you saw this, Mason, but Oregon, the Oregon Ducks defeated Team USA in um, their first game of the season. So they are now the, um, I believe, their first ever number one ranking in AP poll for an exhibition matchup. But that is a impressive win if you're a college team. Yeah, you almost saw that, I guess, now. Uh, a few years ago when Maryland won the national championship, uh, that team always goes on to play Team USA and Team Canada in in a lacrosse scrimmage, and Maryland actually almost beat Team USA. I believe they only lost that game by one. They were leading for a good part of it, but it's definitely something different when you actually beat uh, a Team USA or Team Canada team. So that will launch us off into our um, first, I guess, main event here. Maryland's we can call it unfortunate defeat at Ohio State. Um, I'll be upfront on this. I didn't see this game because I had to work um, at the NESU-Western Illinois game. So, Mason, you unfortunately saw a good chunk of this one. Yeah. Um, n- not good. N- not good. I'm going to be straight up and honest right now. For one of the first time in my life, I, I turned a Maryland football game off. And that's something sad. I think, Jordan, you can um, uh, speak to to the games I've stuck with. You know, I saw Maryland lose 66-3 at home to Ohio State. I sat in a cold November night for the second half of that game with all Ohio State fans in the stadium. I saw Maryland start to finish get blown out by Penn State 59 to nothing. I've been on the road and seen this team get blanked multiple times. So it's kind of something different that that I that I find myself at twenty eight to nothing, turning this game off, checking in a few more times, saw Dante Demas score that touchdown uh, from Josh Jackson. But I mean, Jordan, you know it, and I'm sure a lot of you listening out there know it that I'm a diehard Maryland football fan. I will watch this team through anything. But at this point, I've had it. It has been had, and it's been had by a lot of Maryland fans that are very passionate about this team around the country. But that's just sad. The fact that I turn a game off is, is just sad. And the fact that these kids, or a lot of them, I'm not going to speak to every one of them because you have players like Javon Leak, Anthony McFarlane, that you can obviously tell give it their all, that there's the, the effort's just not there. There is no other excuse but that. You see teams like Indiana and Minnesota turning things around rapidly and quickly with guys that are 
two- and three-star football players that when Maryland gets, we laugh at. Well, look at what Minnesota just did. They just beat Penn State. They beat undefeated Penn State at home. They're now 9-0. and They're number seven in the AP poll. Even look at bleeping Illinois, who beat Wisconsin at home when they were in the top, uh, I believe, Jordan, was it four? Were they six yeah, or four? I think they were five, somewhere around there. They beat them. Where's our win like that? Oh, we lost to Ohio State by one point. Like, that's an accomplishment. We now have the teams in the, quote, lower tier. Purdue beat Ohio State last year. Illinois beat Wisconsin. I mean, Rutgers and Maryland are now the only team to not beat a top-10 team since this realignment. Northwestern made the Big Ten championship game last year. And what are we sitting around with X number of years into this? Because I don't even remember how many seasons we play in the Big Ten right now because I'm just so blinded by these games. This is number six. Is that we have nothing. We're still losing games 73 to effing 14. Just despicable as far as the football program. That's all I have to say about that. And then the next thing that I want to hit on, unless Jordan, you have some comments to throw in about the actual game, is that Jordan White de- decommitted from Maryland football at halftime, down 42 nothing. Jordan, do you have anything, or can I move on on my uh, I mean, Mason A rant? No, I, I got nothing. This was a... Uh... This game might as well not been played, as far as I'm concerned. That's how predetermined this result was. So you have a kid that decommits from your football program at halftime. That's a very bad look for Maryland football. I'll say that. The second one of this week, Rashid Battle, a guy who we were really high on, uh, at a Georgia decommitted uh, earlier this week, a defensive back, a guy that Maryland could definitely use, and then now Jordan White, an offensive lineman, that, well, he is a three-star. He, in my opinion, is a classic kind of three-star because of how many looks he gets because he plays for DeMatha, but that's a whole different conversation that I'm also very passionate about. But let's just talk about what happened here. One, from the perspective of Jordan White, I do not understand why you would do this. You disrespected Coach Loxley, your former high school coach, Elijah Brooks, the University of Maryland in your home state. I just feel disrespected by this kid as a Maryland fan because he did this knowing the repercussions. Where's the guidance? Where's the leadership from a coach? or a parent to say, maybe you shouldn't do that. That gives you and the university that gave you a full opportunity at an education and a football career a very bad look. Because now if I'm the next coach, I hope that whoever this kid wants to flip to goes, do you mind explaining to me why you did that? Because we don't want that for our program. You just did it to them. Why? What stops you from doing it again? That's something that I feel like needs to be said. Sean Merriman, I believe, put it best uh, in a tweet where he said, uh, this is an exact quote, but the same kid that quits on you on his commitment at halftime is the same kid that uh, will quit on you at halftime of a game. Pretty much good riddance to you, which I completely agree with, Jordan. Oh, I feel the need to clarify this very quickly. Um, Mason is not saying he can't decommit. He's saying the way he decommitted during on Twitter during halftime of a game is the wrong way to go about this. Yes. Yeah, that's completely true. If it came across the other way, well, then, yeah, that, that's the way that I meant it, too. Thank you, Jordan. Um, and I agree that, look, you can't possibly blame a player who wants a successful football career to watch this game, especially the first half, and be like, I don't know if I want to play football there. That makes sense, I think. If you saw this game as a recruit, it's, it's understandable that you have doubts. You don't handle it like this. I think you definitely could have handled it in a more... I almost feel like it's a more better way. You know, do it. Talk to the coach. 
do it privately first. Don't do it during halftime of a game where the teams are getting annihilated. And yes, it's a horrible look for us. I mean, I don't. It's one of the most embarrassing things that can happen to your program. You're losing so badly during a game that your players, your future players, don't want to play for you anymore. And again, this is people don't have program building wins. Like as you said, Mason, Minnesota absolutely had one. Say, Minnesota had a program altering win today. So did Illinois. With their comeback against Michigan State, those programs, like you said, the lower tier programs, have are seem to be pushing Indiana. No, I would not be surprised if they compete against Penn State this weekend. Th- these lower tier programs are p- bubbling up. This is a type of loss that you could actually say is a program damaging loss. We've had several of these recently. Like Mason said, these sixty plus, fifty nine plus point losses are doing are damaging our brand. I mean. It's so hard to yeah. easy to say Mike Box to can't recruit, but it's so hard to go to our recruit and say, Come play for us when we can't compete regularly against three or four teams every year. And that's something that I think needs to be needs to be spoken on very quickly before we move to the basketball game. You know, just a few weeks ago this team put on uniforms from uh the eighties teams that that built Maryland up into what was for a few years a top tier legitimate top-tier programs, depending on how you are negative you are about Maryland football, you, you might have a little bit of a differing idea about that. But I'm just going to throw it out there, and it, it's pretty accurate that those were top-tier programs that were ranked uh, number one to start a season. You know, we, we, had, we had it rolling with Bobby Ross. They talked a lot about when they had those Boomer Esiason videos that you're representing something. N- n- not for now, but you're also representing yourself your team currently, and every team that's played before you and the teams of the future. You can take this snippet of, uh, I don't even know where you want to start it, like 2000, let's say 11 to now. So Randy Etzel to now. And you can point it, I'm going to say now, about 12 or 13 losses that you can say, look at any other program in the country. You can look at, or Baylor after their program was destroyed, and rightfully so was destroyed, where are their losses? 66 to 3. 74 or 73 to 14. We are now, and I'm going to say this, full-heartedly as a Maryland fan, we are the single holder of the most embarrassing losses in college football year after year. And it just makes me sick to be a Maryland fan at this point. I can't believe that that these kids on that football field don't look at this and say we can do better. Or maybe, even worse, they look at it and say, we're going to do better, and then don't do anything to act on that. Because you have people, and you have a state, that if you did almost, I mean, you saw that Penn State game, you saw that people want to root for Maryland, but the fact that the players and coaching staff, and I at this point, I guess, whole athletic department, can't put together any sort of product that inspires any interest to watch them is just an absolute failure of both business, coaching, and at this point, I mean, you saw what these players asking for our support the whole season. Where is that now? They know they've lost it. They know they're not putting out the product on the field that people want to watch. Uh, it's just I, like, I just had something. You're, you're completely right, Mason, but I have an interesting little thing here. 
So Baylor, as we all know, um, was completely destroyed after their um, scandal in 2015. 2017, when the sanctions hit, um, and they had open, open like what do you want to call it? Transfer league. window. Yeah. Um, you know what Baylor's worst loss was that season? I'll go with like 49 to 14. 59-16 at Oklahoma State. They almost beat number three Oklahoma. Exactly. This, they had fight every week. Where is our fight? That's all I want to know. I feel like I'm going to ask that question now till I'm like 40 and we've gone through four more head coaches. Where is the... I mean, you talk about Maryland pride. You talk about Terp toughness. You talk about all this. All this. At this point, it's all a load of crap. Where is... When we step on the field on Saturday, the ability... I don't care if you're playing against Chase Young and you're Jalen Duncan and you've gotten your ass kicked all season. Where's the thing, like, today I'm going to make myself have a defining moment? I don't care if the other four guys on this offensive line do it, but today I'm going to make a name for myself. Where is the will to make it happen for... If there's no team or family or whatever Loxie wants to call it now left... Where is the ability, other than from Javon Leak, Anthony McFarland, and a handful of guys, to say, today I'm going to go out there and make myself better? It seems like there's a complete lack of that, that there's just there's just this like willingness to lose at this point and lose by numbers that you're literally a laughing stock. If I were Coach Loxley or any other coach on this team, I would go to these kids and be just livid. And then I would look... At literally any junior college player or players that have faced adversity or maybe they weren't takes for other programs and look at their size and look at their weight and say, you know what, at least if we're going to lose like this going forward, we can lose and look like our team's at least the same size as the other one because we're undersized on both lines. We're not getting players to obviously put out what the, whatever they're capable of. At this point, it might be better for them just to transfer and see if they can restart. And let's put together something for next season. But at this point, this is just embarrassing to watch from somebody that's been at almost every Maryland football home game since they were six years old and has every era, every time they change the stupid jersey, I pretty much have one. So this has been embarrassing for me to watch as a fan. I, I couldn't even imagine playing on this team at this point. But that's it. We'll move on to basketball now. Uh, I don't know how to follow that up. Uh, here's something I actually didn't realize until now. Maryland's, men, Maryland's basketball team has put as many points as Ohio State football team did. Yeah, I saw that one all over Twitter, too. I actually didn't know that until now. Um, so, before we jump into the game, which was a solid effort um, I'll talk about, I just want your opinion on something, Mason. Yes. What do you think of Memphis's open rebellion against NCAA for the James Wiseman case? I think the NCAA at this point is is just stupid. There's no other way to put it. I mean, the Chase Young thing just seems absurd to me. And then, there's one more thing from the football game, actually. That Chase Young thing just brought it up. The fact that, I believe it was, it was published definitely on some reputable sources, that Maryland tipped the NCAA off to Chase Young. Wait, they did? No, I said that it was reported. And then I believe uh, Gus and, I don't even remember his partner's name at this point, were talking about that during the broadcast. That is stupid. And there's no way that Maryland did that. Why would Maryland do that? I truly hope they didn't. They, they did not. Did, there, right? there. Every Maryland insider has now come out and said that there was no way that Maryland was involved with that. I mean, that's a Dematha kid that has connections to Elijah Brooks, that has connections to a lot of kids on the Maryland team. There was no way that that happened. And then 
One more thing on the broadcasters. What a lack of studying on Maryland. Gus Johnson's calling Tyrell Pigrome the wrong name. Saying his name incorrectly. That just bothered me on a whole different level. I know they were there to Ohio State this and Ohio State that, and rightfully so because Maryland was getting their... They were getting curb stomped the whole game. Uh, that's a word that Jordan likes right there, curb stomp. And... Yes, you can focus on Ohio State the whole broadcast, but at least say our players' names right and don't blame us for getting our best players suspended. Good God. Okay, now back to basketball. Oh, or back to my NCAA thing. Yeah, I think that at this point the NCAA has done a lot to deserve um, what they're getting out of Ohio State. LeBron James especially, going after the NCAA almost every day now on Twitter. And um, definitely kind of agree with Memphis. I think that they're doing the right thing. They feel like their player deserves to play. And I, I also would say that there's a lot of, uh, I almost say, misuse of all this energy. I think these universities are also almost on the same level of the NCAA as, do you really think if uh, Wiseman or Chase Young were some kid on the end of the bench that people would care? And the answer to that's no. I mean, there's a lot of corruption going on here. They only really care if you're an important piece of their team. And, and that's really what I see out of Memphis. Because you know what's happened to like the, uh, the punter at UCF that made YouTube videos, and then the NCAA was like, nope, you can't do that, can't make money off of punting the football, it's showing kids how to do that. You know, there wasn't this outrage about him. There was for about five seconds, and then it's gone. But these long-stayed rebellions are only going to be about influential players, and the NCAA, if they want to keep their grab on this whole thing, has done a terrible job of picking out the players to go after. Well, I think it also doesn't want people off because... Well, I think I actually saw a lot of hate on comments on my in an interview with a um, college athlete's rights attorney about this case, and he thinks that Memphis is going to win, almost certainly. Um, but that people are just mad because they're still mad that North Carolina didn't get any trouble for this, or trouble for their own issue with um, their fake classes. And they just feel like the NCAA picks favorites too much. And it's just, in my opinion, their entire organization is just done at this point. Yeah, it's really garbage. They've done a garbage job of uh, of doing their quote-unquote job, if there is any job to be done with that. The one thing that I will say, and this is my last point on this, and we'll go back to the Terps basketball game after it, is I hope everyone realizes the second the NCAA is dissolved or is restructured or whatever you want to say, the amount of scholarship money for non-revenue sports, especially women's sports that bring in uh, negative money. I mean, every sport at Maryland other than football and men's basketball brings in a negative will be dissolved. There will be teams that are just gone, especially from smaller universities or universities in a financial situation like the University of Maryland or well, Rutgers. That, that's not the case. Title IX, remember, is a law. It's not necessary. No, 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 no. But you could you could see a scenario where they say you can now pay your revenue athletes and every football and men's basketball player is no longer on a scholarship. They're now paid individuals. But yes, that, is, that would be... Possible, That's what yes. this whole thing is going towards. They will no longer be student-athletes. They will have a major in football, and they might not even be given any sort of scholarship. They could just be given a separate stipend that can pay for the university. Well, then you'd have to pay them amount equal to the um, tuition, which if you're like at Stanford or a lot of private schools, it's going to be... Well, I think it's going to be tuition plus whatever you bring to the university. And there's just... It will be a lot to work out, and it 
could end in the demise of non-revenue sports. Well, the alternative side of looking at that, and that is a possibility, don't get me wrong, but the alternative way of looking at this is that college football and men's basketball get spun off into separate entities entirely with like loose affiliations or no affiliations to the university and the NCAA stays on and regulates But what else. is that then? Who wants to see some random basketball team? Well, I'm not saying that it would it would rack with NCAA. That's absolutely still the case. But you need to remember that there are organizations like the NIA NIAI. A- sorry, NA NAIA, Jordan. My bad. Um, for those who don't know, that is like um, a sports regulating body for universities that don't qualify or don't elect to give scholarships to their athletes. Yeah, just for example, um, like Salisbury Football is that. Yeah, it's a, it's a very large organization. But they are, they've been in business since before the NCAA was. Um, so there is definitely ways, there are bodies that make basically no money that's so regulate sports and the NCAA could turn into one of those if the, if football and basketball got spun off um, this is a topic worth diving into and I could see us doing an episode about this specifically further down the line but um, let's jump back into our revenue generating men's basketball team shall we Mason? Yeah so they play against Rhode Island 9 o'clock on a Saturday night and they go out there and I mean I guess execute. They did come out with a win. They did uh, play well winning the game, I believe, by the score of, what, 73 to 54, right? Yep. Um, so I watched this entire game very loudly, may I add. Um, haven't gotten a screaming match on TV like that in a while. I think I was just basketball starved. But the first half of this game was very frustrating, if you're a Maryland fan. Um, the Terps were down by... I believe as much as 11 in the first half. There was like 26, 15, somewhere around there. And I was right, about ready to blow my top off. Maryland was playing so poorly in that first first half of the first half. I believe we had like 12 turnovers in the first 12 minutes or something like that. Daryl Morsell had five turnovers by himself. Just the turnovers in this game in the first half for Maryland were inexcusable and sloppy, and they did not look ready to play, and that was grating for me. Yeah, um, I, I saw similar. I saw about the whole game. I definitely saw all the first half. Uh, once the league got really stretched out, I was just kind of frankly done with Maryland because this game also very much bothered me that uh, I just I needed to do something else, for lack of a better word, honestly. Just needed to go go relax a little bit uh, off my whole Maryland Terrapins day. But it's just where's the time where Mark Turgeon will bring a team in that does not turn the ball over, you know, 20 times a game. 17 in this one. That's your total turnover count. 18 for Rhode Island, 17 for the Terps. Very sloppy start to the game, very slow start. But another time where you can look at an early season game and look around the um, country, and you can see this from a lot of teams, especially against a tough A-10 opponent. Uh, The good news is Maryland comes storming back at the end of the first half, takes the lead, three points into the locker room, and stretches it out into the second half. So I think a lot of positives to go with a lot of a lot of negatives too. My no, main negative though is still six for nineteen from the three point line. Not good enough. Well absolutely though. You can't harp on this game's negative too much because in the second half Maryland dominated. Um the Terps finally loosened up as well look like they're playing really tight in the first half. They finally calmed down. 
They got in the flow of the offense. Um, Jalen Smith had a great second half. He had 19 points almost all in the second half. Um, Anthony Cowan, this is something you can't stress enough in my opinion. Anthony Cowan, he, yeah, he had a bad game, 4 for 12, um, 5 or 6 for the line, though. But he did not take – he did not overshoot. He really didn't. He did put up quite a few shots, but they're mostly towards the end of the game where it kind of was in garbage time. He was 1 for 6 when – still close he stopped shooting and that's something you can't emphasize enough he's really struggled with just shooting too much and he's just stopped and that's critical because we still need him on the floor he's still vital to the offense and a good defender even if he's not shooting yeah Um, yeah but just on that really quickly here's kind of what i see happening given what we've seen in these first two games and this is kind of like a complete um i guess kind of a drastic remark so take it with a little bit of grain of salt. I see this year starting like every other year does. Oh, they're not relying on the point guard that much. Eh, but they're still turning the ball over. They can't make their free throws. They can't make three-pointers. I'll bet you by Big Ten play, Anthony Cowan shooting the ball 24 times a game. Same, same course that we go every year. We're not executing the things that we need to do to not have Anthony Cowan be forced to make plays happen. We are shooting 6 from 19 from 3. We missed seven free throws again in this in this game. 17 for 24. Turned the ball over 17 times. You know, picked up 21 fouls. Only 14 assists. The same kind of thing that's going on. Not rebounding, offensive rebounding. Lost that margin by nine. You look at the stats you can kind of point at and say, huh, they're going to end up with some somebody. Maybe it's not Cowan this year. Maybe it's Ayeller. Maybe it's Wiggins. End up chucking shots. Because they're going to fall apart. They're, they're, I like the way the second half of this game went and the end of the first half. But I feel like Turgeon and company is going to be like, look at this game be like, oh my god, we did everything wrong. And, and, and what we were doing last year, that looked better than this. And let's do what we did last year. I feel like that's going to happen. Because I feel like it happens every year. But that just might be me. Well, that's, a, I think, a little bit negative way to look at it. Because there were elements of this that could carry over. Jalen Smith, again, taking most of the offensive load, taking tying the most shots of the game is a good thing. Aaron Wiggins taking five threes and making two of them. That's an acceptable way to do it. Also, Aaron Wiggins got to shout out his 13 rebounds. Team high on that. Um, one issue that I would like to bring up, again, this is an early season game. Yes, yeah, so it's against the best team we're going to play for a while. Um, yeah, something you got to watch is the big man rotation. You saw, um, I believe Mackay Mitchell started. I'm going to double check that because I actually don't know. Yeah, it was Mackay Mitchell started. Only played four minutes, got four fouls. Uh, that was a lot of rank, to say the least. Um, Ricky Lindo, we got for seven minutes. Made a three, though. Um, Mikel got in for six minutes. Dante Scott played a lot of forward, got in for 14. Just no one really stepped up and took taking the second big man role. Uh, forced us to play Darren Morsell at the four again, which is something we all wanted to get away from. I know Turner wanted to get away from me, said it multiple times, but you can't even blame him for this because no one, none of those big men stood out. Dante Scott and Mikel Mitchell both got three fouls, too. too. Like, someone's got to step up and be this power forward here. It can't be Darren Morsell. Or maybe it is because I'm just saying, in a game like this, Rhode Island, obviously not the biggest team on the court, you would love to see Dante Scott or Ricky Lindo both being, you know, 6'8 and 6'7, perfect kind of size to match up against them. 
but if it's not happening out of those guys, it's going to have to going to have to come out of your glue guy, which is Daryl Morsell. He's going to end up playing power forward. I'm just saying it seems like this game in particular. Well, I, okay, so first off, I'm going to say we're doing our best job to complain about a win against Rhode Island by, what, 19 points? 18, but yeah, but we're, we're a little bit nitpicky. There were a lot of positives. There are positives. You came out against a win from a team that you could have seen, if you look at the first, I don't know, 14 minutes of this game, could have easily seen rolling over Maryland by 15 points. And, and Maryland got together and they put everything a better effort towards the game and show that they were by far the more talented team. But it just seems like in this game, it looked like a game from last year. It looked like just switch out some different names and you would have had, it's like they didn't have another big man. They were putting out guys that, that got four fouls. It was like the, I guess almost one of the worst results that you could have gotten out of the kids that you're really looking for to do something big in this game. But like around the country, you look at it, we're playing freshmen. It's the second game against a real team Things like this are going to happen. Obviously, you would like them to not happen, but they did. And, you know, it's a win. A win's a win, pretty much. Pick yeah, it up, do better well. next time. But there's still time to improve. That's I guess that's what I'm pointing at. There's still time to improve. Sherelle Smith, and we got three minutes. Um, I wish he would have played more, but whatever. It worked. We won. And you can't say much. Um, Oakland, the Oakland Golden Grizzlies next. Um, Oakland is considered one of the better. Um, I don't want to say group of five, but mid-major schools, uh, three and one. ESPN gives them a certain percent chance of beating us, which is a little bit more than I'd like. But we can talk about that more next time, because that's not until next week. Uh, busy weekend, Mason. It should come down a lot by the time we get to our next podcast. Yeah, uh, definitely a busy weekend. I got to call my first game really quick before we go here at Jacksonville University on ESPN+. Plus. A little highlight reel of that up on the Wayne Turp YouTube page, along with all the coverage from Saturday night's win. Over Rhode Island, make sure to check that all out on the Wayne Turp YouTube page. And while you're at it, just go ahead and click our follow button on Twitter at YoungTurp1 to follow us on Twitter. Get all of our new episodes are always posted up there, along with some really interesting fan polls that Jordan and I come up with, and a lot of retweeted and tweeted Terps content. If you're into the Twitter world, uh, anything else to toss in on this podcast, Jordan? Two uh, losses and a win, be... though. So, not not the best weekend at Maryland. No, but... Oh, feels like he lost, but that's not the one. And not all I Yeah, it might have been a tough one. It was a tough weekend on College Park. Um, it can't get much worse than this, right? I feel like I keep saying that, especially when it comes to Maryland football, and it always seems to get worse. Hey, okay, okay, that is true. But, positive. Basketball held the number seven ranking. Y'all give it that. I mean, it looked like they were going to slide up to six for a second when Florida lost to Florida State. Uh, I believe North Carolina grabbed that spot from the Terps. So. Well, Florida, Florida was right anyway. That's they, they seem to be a lot, though. They're one of those programs everyone always looks at and said they're going to be good. I don't really think they've been that good since Billy Donovan left, but, you know, there are a lot of teams in college basketball, though. They get a ton of talent. They recruit it in. They bring it in, and it takes a special coach like uh, John Calipari whether you like him or not, to really pull together talent year after year that just comes in brand new. Hey, yeah, well, here on the subject, I think it's, John Calipari has actually done exceptionally well considering that he plays with eight freshmen every year. I mean, that's not easy. Even though they're the best freshmen in the country, that's not easy to make that into a team. No, it's not, but he seems to do it, and Coach Sturgeon is going to try and have to pull some of that off this year, try and get these guys playing 
uh, and assist them better. I think it's looked pretty good to start off with, but I think that's going to be a wrap for this podcast, Jordan. Yep, uh, we'll be back again on Wednesday with our trip from the pros. A uh, good weekend from Stefan Diggs. And um, hopefully a more optimistic look at next week's game. Yeah, along with our Pro Turf segment, we'll have that all for you on our next podcast. No football game this weekend, so we'll have some a little bit off-topic discussion, a little bit of where do we go from here, given these last two games, to talk about later on this week. Make sure to check back in with us for that podcast. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Viner Four Gates and Rockville, for all of your business IT needs. Viner Four Gates is the place to go. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 or on the web at one viner.com that's number one viner.com and ally party rentals for all of your party rental needs big or small ally is the place to go you can visit them on the web at allypartyrentals.com and as always thanks for listening